Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, welcome to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. All of them, volumes one through nine, are available at Amazon in ebook and paperback formats. And if you're an audio buff, you can get volumes one through eight at iTunes, Audible, and Amazon as well. So please partake of them. And by the way, I thank you once again for praying for my wife, Paula. And I encourage you to keep going. Thank you very much for your support in this matter. And now may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Very good. Very good. I'm uh, constantly in touch with people from the podcast. You know, Kev, I always reach out to people if they have a story to tell and talking to them on the phone, and uh, I was talking to a fellow named Isaac today down in Florida. Isaac, good talking to you. And, Did he see uh, a skunk ape? Uh, well, he's he had a couple of uh, encounters of some sort, unseen but heard, uh, mm. around his area. And it's funny, he doesn't live far from uh, Crystal Springs, which uh, I have an interesting account in Volume 9 from a uh, college professor down in that area. Do you remember me, Kev, uh, talking to you about him uh, investigating the rhesus monkeys down there? Oh, yeah. Yep. And he was the one who told me about the Tarzan movies and the Riverboat Captain and the, yep. the release of these monkeys that are now living down there. And uh, it's funny, uh, this guy Isaac, not far from there. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of freaking unknown country down there where he lives. You know, mm-hmm. swamps, Everglades. Uh, there's certainly plenty very of... Very swampy. Yeah, very swampy for sure. And a lot of Florida is super rural. Yeah. People don't realize that often. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a lot of other places, Kev, that we always talk about, right, Kev? Where people yep. live... They figure, oh, who's going to see a Bigfoot around here? But you go 10 miles in one direction, and uh, it's it's no longer Miami Beach. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yep. Uh, that's the way it is, folks. I mean, like I said before, nine and a half million square miles of real estate in North America. 
That's a mm. lot of country. So, my Speaking brother. of real estate, Bill, I'm walking down. I'm out at the coast today. And okay. I'm walking down the beach tonight after work. The sun's going down. And the fish are jumping more than I've ever seen them. Wow. Of course, I don't have a fishing pole in my hand. Yeah, that's the way it works. <laughs> I, I never saw anything like it out here. I mean, there were fish everywhere. Could you tell what you were seeing coming out of the water? I never saw anything like this, so I don't know what the heck they were. Wow. But it was crazy. Right yeah. beyond the surf line, the fish the whole way. Like, I walked like three miles, and the whole way, there were fish everywhere. Yeah, I remember one day years ago, uh, out at Shinnecock or Cupsog Beach, and uh, it had to be maybe a mile and a half out off the shoreline. As far as I could see, uh, east and west, huge stripers porpoising mm. out of the water. Now, you know, at a mile and a half, for me to be, I, be able to identify a striped mm. bass, huge cows flying around. They must have been chasing herring a bunker out there. Mm. Of course, even if I had a pole, there was nothing I could do. They were a mile and yeah. a half off the shore. But no, uh, you I, needed a cruise missile <laughs> <laughs> with a cable hooked onto the back of it so you could reel in one of those cows. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing when you run into that phenomena, you know, when you're standing there. I like, couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm walking down the beach, and, I'm, and, and again, I spend a fair amount of time walking down the beach in the evening. And I never saw anything like this. They were everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So crazy, it's incredible phenomena. Yeah. So what do you got, brother, in today's cryptids in the news and other oddities segment? We are going far away tonight, Bill. Uh oh. <laughs> we're going to China. Really? Yeah. Wow. We're going to talk about the Yeren. Ah, oh, uh-huh. Y E R E N. Do you know the Yeren? Well, the Yeren is uh it's their version of a Bigfoot creature, no? Yeah, translates loosely into wild man. Yeah. Of course that could be me or you, but I think they mean Bigfoot. <laughs> well, if you give me a couple of dirty water hot dogs, I could get pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in a little pickle relish and some kraut, and away we go. I was going to say, now that's the plus side of your trips into Manhattan. Hopefully you're stopping on the street corner to get a dirty water hot dog. Because <laughs> <laughs> the water's pretty dirty in there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that water might be a little dirtier than I'm willing to experiment with. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you catch my drift, you know. I'm sure they change the water quite often. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm more concerned about the guy sitting inside of a three-by-four-foot box all day with no bathroom facilities. I don't, I, you know, I don't know what's going on in there, you know? <laughs> yeah, but we're, ta- we're talking about the Yeren. We haven't talked about the Yeren before, and he is uh, definitely a cryptid, you know, and he is reported to inhabit the remote mountainous regions of China. Okay. And typically, get this, the one place 
uh, where they really talk about them a lot is in what's called the Hubei province. And okay. guess what big city that became famous over the last 18 months is in the middle of the Hubei province? Ah. Uh, Do you uh, remember? I can't think it was it Wunan, Wushan? Wuhan. You were good. Wuhan, I thought you were yeah, teasing yeah. me. Wuhan. Yeah, no, I just couldn't I couldn't get the second uh oh, I I thought you were playing games with me. You did great <laughs> for coming up with Wuhan. <laughs> so Wuhan is in the Hubei province, and Wuhan though is not a rural place. Um I almost went there once, believe it or not, Bill. Um and uh it is an old steel city. Um, inside of China. Some people refer to it as the Chicago of China. So kind of this old big industrial city. But that has nothing to do with the hairy man other than just to give you a geographical reference, Hubei province, uh, Wuhan is in the middle of Hubei province. Okay. So kind of the southeastern part of mainland China. All right. And these hairy man sightings or Yeren sightings have been around for thousands of years, near as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And things got a little crazy over there in uh, the 1950s and 60s, where everybody was looking for the the Yeren. And uh, so much so that the Maoist government at the time uh, said that, you know, we don't want you looking for them anymore. And kind of like banned in a sense that you weren't allowed to go looking for the Yeren and talking about the Yeren. Of course, only in China, right? Yeah, but uh, did something happen? Were there murders or missing persons or anything that everyone went ballistic looking for? It? They, they just, there were always reports about it and they loved, uh, you know, looking into it and the country was fascinated with it. Huh. But, you know, the Maoists kind of banned it. But then in 1976, uh, that was, uh, you know, dissolved, the Maoist government, and those laws went away. So they uh, went on to study it, and um, they speculated, you know, like when the Chinese Academy of Sciences looked into it back then, they speculated that it was probably some type of distant relative of Gigantopithecus, which, remember, the Gigantopithecus uh, bones were found in southern China. Right, so they were definitely aware of Gigantopithecus. Yeah, interesting. You know, do we know? Uh, I mean, everything's uh, uh, tight-lipped over there. But are there any societies over there or people uh, sharing in information and/or evidence about the Yeren? Yeah, so they they talk about it a lot. Of course, most of the stuff is in Chinese, <laughs> so not too useful. Well, I to can me. read that. My... Fold, just fold it. Forward it to me. Oh, I can I'll send read it. it over to you. By the way, I meant to tell you, like, this is the Chinese Bigfoot, not to be confused with the Bigfoot that speaks Chinese, right? Uh -huh. Which we've heard about before, the gibberish, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about the Russian the guy, the Russian uh, professor I had that said it sounded like a Siberian dialect? Exactly, yeah. Well, that's kind of Siberian, Chinese. When the two of them or three of them are talking to one another, yeah, <laughs> and we compared it, we compared it to cousin it, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, so the descriptions. <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, cousin it had the best hair. 
Oh, and the best hat too. And the derby. best hat. <laughs> so get this. So yeah. the description of this beast, um, they say, of course, that it walks upright and it stands about six feet tall. So it's not as big as our hair and man. Uh-huh. And it's covered with a tawny colored hair all over its body, especially long at the scalp. Maybe a bit like Cousin It, come to think of it. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> John, say, or John, Paul, and Ringo. There you go. <laughs> uh, and they say the face is reminiscent of both ape and human. Wow. Um, and they say it has distended eyes, I guess longer eyes, long arms hanging all the way down to the knees, and of course, big feet. Yeah. But get this, they say that the Yeren supposedly laughs when it comes across a human. Really? Right before it rips its head off. Yeah. No, I made that part up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Laughter, huh? Yeah, I never heard anything like that, right? Yeah, I hope it doesn't sound like Predator Lane, that's the Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Remember that when he did that? It was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know, Schwarzenegger said, you're one ugly, you know what. <laughs> then, then he hit the nuclear button, and that was the end of the laughing that was predator. the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, predator. Boom. So, so that is Yaren. And now, fast forward to June 30th, 2003, and I found a report of a Bigfoot sighting or a Yaren sighting in China that was in English. Wow. So I'm going to tell you about this. It's not crazy, so I'll warn you ahead of time, but it is a sighting mm-hmm. uh, from the newspaper. Okay? okay. So back to 2003 from Beijing, China. Chinese authorities are investigating several apparent sightings of a legendary ape-like beast at a nature reserve in the central Hubei province. Huh. So same place. And they say the mythical creature, suspected by locals to be a Bigfoot, was apparently seen by six people, including a journalist in a Shenangia nature reserve on Sunday afternoon. The state-run Xinhua News Agency reported. They say local legend has it that the reserve is home to the half-man, half-ape creature, but several high-profile searches in the past three decades have failed to find any evidence of its existence. Speculation that the Bigfoot could be a descendant of apes mounted after China's state media reported several years ago that a scientist had found fossilized teeth of the giant primates in the area. Now, they don't say it, Bill, but that's probably when they found Gigantopithecus fossilized teeth. Yeah, interesting, those giant teeth that have been found in different places. Right, right. And the latest sighting described, excuse me, described the creature as a grayish ape-like animal, about 1.65 meters tall, with shoulder-length black hair. A vehicle carrying the journalists and five others was making a turn when the occupants saw the creature moving fast across the road. By the time the vehicle had stopped, the animal had disappeared. The passengers found several 30-centimeter-long footprints, so about 12 inches long, 
and newly broken branches in the jungle near the road. They also claimed to have discovered a three-meter-long patch of foul-smelling urine-like liquid on the road where the creature was seen. While some scientists theorize the creature could be the missing link between primates and humans, others hypothesize say that it might be a bear, of course, a monkey, or some type of elaborate hoax. Yeah. I mean, they got to throw the bear in, right? Because nobody knows what a bear looks like. Yeah, and everybody hoaxes and leaves a foul stream of urine going across the street <laughs> while they're running. You know, I mean, I of would course. do that, wouldn't you? Hey, you got to make sure you bring the bag of urine with you. Yeah, yeah. Or drink <laughs> a gallon of water and wait till just the right moment. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, Bill, that is the Yaren. You know, so pretty. Uh, Pretty interesting that China has these written reports of the Bigfoot-like creature as well, which makes sense because if it did originate over there with uh, Gigantopithecus and came across the Bering Strait, the Bering Sea Bridge at some point in time, if that all happened, you would think you would see some in China. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. And again, here we have the gray coloring Yes. Uh, which we've heard about many times, gray and white, uh, people wondering if it was an older creature or if that was just a coloring, you know. But yep. that that color of gray with some white has come up many, many times. Uh, and it's just interesting. It's It's certainly not regional because that coloration comes out here in the States, you know. Yeah. So, uh it always brings me back to you talking about all the bears walking around when you were up there fishing, all the different color. Oh, yeah, in Alaska. Yeah. yeah. Blonde ones, black ones, brown ones, you know, grayish blonde ones. It's crazy how much color they had. Yeah, it is It is freaking bizarre. Now, if you don't mind, I got something here. I was just reading this the other day, and you know I'm writing this. My new book is on uh, UFO encounters. And uh, a lot of people may not be aware uh, of some of the encounters that have been had by even our own presidents. And Mm -hmm. uh, this Ronald Reagan UFO sighting, I thought it was worth just chatting it up a little bit before I get into my Bigfoot account. There's a lot of stories about, you know, U.S. presidents having seen UFOs and really only a couple of the stories actually have, you know, a strong enough amount of evidence to back up the fact uh, that a sighting actually took place. And one of them involved Ronald Reagan. Of course, I think everybody that listens to us knows who Ronald Reagan was. Uh, And he actually had two sightings uh, that I'm aware of, but both of them had occurred when he was the uh, 33rd governor of California. Uh, The first one was on a night that Reagan had been invited to a party that purportedly the old uh, actor William Holden was having in Hollywood. And uh, it's reported that a number of key personalities were invited to the party, as well as Ronald Reagan, two of them being the uh, 
Steve Allen and, of course, Lucille Ball, uh, neither of which are with us anymore, uh, who both told the stories of Reagan's UFO encounter. Now, apparently, according to the article, Reagan was missing when the party began, and the party was actually held up until he and Nancy had arrived approximately an hour late. Uh, According to both Steve Allen and Lucille Ball's versions of the events, Reagan was very excited when he arrived at the party. And he described that he and Nancy had seen a UFO while coming down the Coast Highway to Los Angeles and stopped to watch it. Mm. Some unconfirmed stories of the event also stated that the object had actually landed. Lucille Ball, in her account of what was said, stated that after he uh, he was elected president, I kept thinking about that event and wondered if he would still have won if he ever told anybody or everyone that he had seen a flying saucer. It's kind of interesting, how huh? She had, she was reminiscing that, geez, I wonder if he would have been thought a kook had he mentioned it before he became the president, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Now, the other one, the other sighting occurred in 74, 1974, uh, just before Reagan had ended his second term as governor. Uh, and this particular story was told by an Air Force colonel, Bill Paintner, who became the pilot for Reagan in his Cessna Citation jet plane uh, following his retirement from the Air Force. Uh, In a story that Reagan told to Norman Miller, Washington bureau chief for the Wall Street Journal, the governor's plane was making an approach to land in Bakersfield, California. It was during the descent that Reagan noticed a strange light behind the plane. We followed it for several minutes, Reagan had told Miller. It was a bright white light, and we followed it to Bakersfield, when all of a sudden, to our utter amazement, it went straight up into the heavens. Hmm. Paintner, let me just get this here. Paintner, the pilot, stated... It appeared to be several hundred yards away, and it was a fairly steady light until it had begun to accelerate. Then it appeared to elongate. The light took off. It went up a 45-degree angle at a high rate of speed. Everyone on the plane was surprised. Paintner also added that the UFO went from normal speed cruising to a fantastic rate of speed instantly. If you give an airplane power, it will accelerate, but not like a hot rod. And that's what this was like. So it goes on a little bit more, but I really think it's interesting, you know, when you have people of note uh, that take a step out onto the water, so to speak, and uh, let you know what it is they saw. Obviously, those two things were kind of really unusual, you know, but they saw something, you know, uh, that got their attention and they watched it, you know. No doubt about it, yeah. Pretty cool, huh? Very cool. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people. You know, when you breach the subject, Bigfoot, Yaren, UFO, whatever it may be, if you breach the subject long enough and hard enough, you're going to get conversations that develop out of that because people are seeing things out there. They're just afraid for the most part uh, who they're going to talk to about what they've seen. Exactly. So now, speaking of people who talked to somebody about what they saw, this following evidential finding was brought to my attention by Dirk Haynes, a then resident of West Plattsburgh, New York. This is what the young snowmobiler and his cronies found while cutting up the trails on their snow machines. To be honest with you, Bill, there wasn't a whole lot to this experience other than what we came upon in the timber, having not actually seen a Bigfoot. Having said that, I knew you would be interested, and so I reached out to you anyway, and I'm glad he did. In the winter of 2002, I and two of my buddies from college broke out our snowmobiles for a little winter mayhem. I borrowed my dad's truck and trailer so I could make the rounds collecting all the machines before heading over to the area between Upper Chichagway Lake and Ingram Pond with the ragged lake being to the south of us. If any of you people are familiar with this area... Make sure you chime in with us. Two days prior, about 20 inches of snow had fallen over the area. With that being on top of the foot of snow that was already on the ground. My dad's truck had a plow on the front. So when we reached our destination, I dropped the trailer to clear out a spot for us to park. And then we hooked the trailer back up to the truck. By the time everything was said and done, it was close to 10 a.m. when we entered the woods. Having made our way north towards Ingram Pond, we stopped to have a bite to eat. After which Bobby suggested that we head south towards Ragged Lake. Now approaching Ragged, we followed the edge of the leg to its su- lake to its southernmost point, where there's a stream connecting it to Indian Lake, just to the south. We had stopped to walk over and check out the stream, and it was Daniel who first noticed the tracks in the snow. There were no other snow machines in the area, and as I said, there was about 30 to 36 inches of snow on the ground, completely undisturbed. We all walked over to this set of tracks, and the snow was up to the top of my thighs as we did so. As we stood there, the tracks were leading both up and down the stream's edge, with the ones we were looking at directly coming right up to the stream's edge. (coughs) Philip was the first one to actually look down into one of the tracks. And being the most astute of the group, commented that he didn't see any boot tread in the bottom of the print. All of us now looked down into the track to see, and it was true. 
There was no deep or unusual tread pattern in any of the several prints we were now looking at. It was then that Philip, being the Sherlock Holmes of the group, began to carefully excavate the top of the sn- the top snow surrounding one of the prints, being careful not to allow anything to fall into the bottom. He had cleared about a three foot round bowl in the snow, and the middle of and in the middle of this bowl now sat a gigantic pristine barefoot print. When I tell you it was incredible, that's an understatement. And all of us knew exactly what it was we had discovered. These were the tracks of a Bigfoot. We all immediately began the task of individually uncovering about a dozen prints in the same fashion, all of which were in a straight line, leading in several directions as the creature had walked. When all of the tracks in this grouping had been uncovered, we could clearly see left and right feet alternating. This was made clear by the great toe of each foot curling inward slightly. The compression of the prints, indicative of the weight of the monster, was such that the actual print itself appeared to be almost ice being very hard and dense. When we moved the snow away from one of our own prints, it was nothing of the sort compared to these, with none of our group weighing in at over 200 pounds. I can testify that at the heel, these prints were about six inches wide and tapering up to just behind where the toes attach, about 10 The toes were fat, fairly long, perhaps two inches or so wide, with the longest being nearly four inches. We followed the tracks for a great distance to a point where they met the main road, and it appeared that the Bigfoot had crossed the street. We got off the snow machines, crossed the road, and sure enough, they continued on the other side of the road going off into the woods. To us, this Bigfoot appeared to be following the waterways, perhaps using them as a trail marker of some sort. There are some trout in these waters, and who knows if it's a food source or just a place to get a drink. But it had most definitely come right to the edge of the creek for something. Now, what I'm about to say is for your benefit and not mine, whether you believe what I've told you or not. When we stood there by the tracks initially, there was what I will describe as a drag mark between each of the steps that went down maybe eight inches or so in the top layer of snow, which to me indicated that it wasn't completely lifting its feet clear of the snow which each, with each step it had taken. In the same light, when we walked, We had to force our legs forward during our own steps, kind of plowing the snow with our legs to move through it. We were making a mess doing so, while the Bigfoot's tracks were, relatively speaking, clean and neatly laid down as it walked. There were no other people in this wilderness area. 
and no hunting season was open either. Having traveled many miles through some very difficult terrain to get to the point where we had first seen them. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but there are no boots made on the planet with a sole that looks like a giant foot. And the notion of somebody coming into where we were to lay down fake prints for miles is ludicrous. When we had cleared the surrounding snow from, as I said, about a dozen prints, it took me personally two extremely exaggerated steps to make up one of this creature's strides. I don't know at the time what my step length was, but I estimated that from foot to foot, the Bigfoot stride was about seven feet. And basically, that's what we witnessed that day in the woods. What do you think of that, Kevin? Yeah, that's upstate New York, huh? Yeah, uh, Plattsburgh, West Plattsburgh. Yeah, that's cold up there. So here you have a couple of boys out riding around their snow machines. And they come across something a little unusual out in the fresh snow. Very cool. I'd say a little unusual, yeah. You know, and kudos to them, or at least for one in the group to get a little investigative, you know. And uh, bowling down this area, carving out the snow around it to get to the bottom of the print and see what it looked like, you know. Oh, definitely. Exactly. I like the fact... A little too, brave. Yeah. Well, you know, I like the fact, too, that when he, they said they got down to the bottom, the print looked like it was frozen. Hmm. Compression, you know, of the water and ice. Yeah, you could see that happening. Yeah, from weight, you know. Remember how, Kev, when we used to make snowballs, uh, you, you'd really want to pack one of them once in a while so it could throw, you could throw it and it could do some damage? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. If it whacked you in the head, it would hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was the whole idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, the more frozen they were from compression, the easier they were to uh, smash up the enemy's uh, fort. I might have put a couple in the freezer, too. But, you know, <laughs> after wetting them down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So that, that's really interesting though You know, I mean uh, The guy's apologetic that he didn't see a creature But what an interesting little find Oh, it's awesome Very uh, cool Track line going along the creek And then crossing the street, you know Super cool I wonder, you know, when you hear things like this I wonder how many people out there Have actually run across something uh, relative to tracks in the snow or whatnot, and just never said a word about it. Oh, no doubt about it, Bill. I mean, yeah. We've talked about that since our first episode. It's yeah. Like so many people don't talk about the stuff because they're afraid of the repercussions or, you know, and even if the repercussions are minor, you know, like their buddies think they're crazy or something, you know. Yeah. That's relatively minor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, it's just, it, it boggles the mind, you know, how many witnesses there really are out there. And I by keep the, looking. When I'm out there in the mountains snowboarding and stuff, I, and I'm, I'm always looking, but I haven't seen anything. But yeah. I'm looking. Yep. No, that's all it takes, man. Eyes wide open. 
Yeah. And uh, what was I going to say? It just slipped my mind. Anyways, uh, if you do see something, folks, our listeners, contact us on our webpage, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, and hit the contact button and let me know what you've seen. And I'll get in touch with you and we can chat it up about it. Uh, yep, and it's all confidential, of course. Right. I won't tell anybody where you live and what your name is and what you look like. Unless for the you right, want us to. Right, Unless for the right price. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, Kev. Great account. Uh, a little teaser about Ronald Reagan's uh, UFO sightings. I like that. I hadn't heard about that. I got to read about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Ronald Reagan. Good old also, Reaganomics, seeing UFOs. Also, uh, Jimmy go. Carter. Yeah. Jimmy Carter. Uh, there's been a there's been a few of them, you know. So what do we got, my brother, in our listener mail segment? Yes, sir. So we're, first, we're going out to Washington State to Aaron. And Aaron says, love the podcast. I wanted to reach out to you guys to see if one of you could call to discuss my dad and I seeing a Sasquatch on a logging road southeast of Mount St. Helens. Mm -hmm. Very long and involves the Skookum cast location and a sighting a year or two after that cast was done roughly one tenth of a mile away. And according to the BFRO, the location of the cast was not publicly known, and definitely not by my dad and I. The fact that we saw a Bigfoot a year later in the middle of nowhere, very close to where the Skookum cast was taken, prior to anyone knowing about it, by the way, was very incredible to say the least. If you want to reach out sometime, give me a shout. I live in Washington State. Keep up the good work. I don't know if you reached out to him yet, Bill, but Aaron would be a good contact. Yes, and as a matter of fact, Aaron and I had a really good conversation. Ah, very cool. Now, uh, it turns out, like Aaron said to me, do you recall the Skookum cast? And I had it confused with something else. Uh, Ah. But he kind of squared me away on it. And apparently uh, some entrepreneurial Bigfooters out there uh, suspected Bigfoot activity in a particular area and they had laid out some treats in the middle of a somewhat muddy, puddly area uh, in the middle of this muddy, puddly area with the hope that a Bigfoot would just step into it to get them and they'd have great uh, track prints leading into and coming out of but and these ha- are like some Reese's peanut butter cups, or yeah, Reese's peanut butter <laughs> cups, and a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken with a side hey. of freaking gravy potatoes. Hey, hey, now we're talking. I might even beat up a Bigfoot to get at that. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it would be a basket of Bojangles and some Bojangles biscuits. There you go. Bring on <laughs> that Bigfoot. <laughs> So it turns out that Aaron told me when they came back to investigate this area where they put the bait out, the Bigfoot, for whatever reason, apparently laid down on its side 
outside of the extra muddy area and reached in to take the goodies. Hmm, a little tricky, Bigfoot. Yeah, so the Skookum cast was of, like, some body parts uh, from this creature laying on its side and not footprints going in or out. So it was a little trick or treat for the Bigfoot. Yeah. Isn't that Uh interesting? (laughs) But now Aaron and his dad uh, had an encounter of this thing passing by in front of them, same creature or another one, who knows, Uh, about a year or a year and a half after and had no knowledge of the Skookum cast or anything really being around there, so to speak. Right. Uh, And... uh, the BFRO boys and whoever else was involved were real anxious to get over there and have a look-see, having the knowledge that Aaron didn't have about the Skookum cast. Mm-hmm. So kind of kind of interesting, you know, how things play out, you know? Very cool. See, and to me, that's a very credible account. Uh, he's not trying to overly embellish uh, what he saw. And yet he finds that after having seen it and trying to share it, the plot thickens, so to speak, by other evidence being brought forth of a previous uh, evidential find very, very close to where uh, uh, he and his father saw this Bigfoot. Yeah, and, and like he mentioned, and I would reinforce, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, right. you know. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. I, I forget the exact details, but he was far away uh, from anything uh, where they oh, found yeah. themselves when they saw this Bigfoot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, be it as it may, you know, people are going to have their own opinions about such things. But uh, when I heard Aaron uh, talk to me about it uh, and the excitement in his voice in retelling the story, uh, it rang true to me, and, uh, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, very interesting. No, pretty cool, pretty cool. Well, Bill, what holiday is coming up near the end of this month? Uh, Thanksgiving? No. Christmas? No. Halloween? I'll give you a hint. <laughs> Halloween it is. I was going to give you a hint. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> So perhaps Uh, this next letter made me think about it, but I did want to remind you, Bill, that the recording of our Halloween episode is coming up, so I hope you have something creepy picked out, because I do. Yes. Well, I got something creepy. (laughs) And just make sure you remind me, because I'm going to lay on some extra creep. Extra creep? Maybe even (laughs) a creep fest. (laughs) So this next letter, not related to creepiness or creep fest, I assure you, comes from Barbara. Uh-huh. Barbara doesn't say where she is, but the subject is your witch episode. Uh-huh. Aha, uh-huh, Bill. Yeah. Message. Hi, guys. Uh-huh. You absolutely forgot to mention, colon, number one. Not all witches are aligned with the devil, exclamation point. Uh Number two, 
Physicians during that time targeted women healers as witches so that women were not practicing medicine. Uh-huh. And then she doesn't sign it or say anything else. So <laughs> I'm willing to agree that we forgot to mention that not all witches are aligned with the devil and that physicians during the time targeted women healers as witches. And that's it? <laughs> I mean, that's, what else do that's we your... want to say about what else do we that's want to your... say about the witches? <laughs> Not all of them fly on brooms? <laughs> as far as we know? Not anymore. They'd have to be electric. I mean, some of them don't, aren't green with a wart on their nose, right? Right. How about a Tesla broom? <laughs> I don't know, Bill. What do you think about the witches that aren't aligned with the devil? Well, I would say this. Uh, it's a heck of a word to use to title yourself if you don't want to be aligned with evil. Because, <laughs> you know, why don't you just call yourself a healer or uh, an herbalist or whatever else? You know, once you embrace that name, I mean, there's a lot of connotations uh, that go along with that title, you know. So uh, that's all I'm going to say about that, Kev. That's right. And I would say, Barbara, I would research what you're talking about more, but I don't want to. (laughs) And I assure you, no witches were harmed in the recording of this podcast. (laughs) Just to be clear. There were definitely some innocent people persecuted (laughs) in the witch burnings and stuff like that, but not related to this podcast. That's correct. And by the way, we sure know how to uh, embrace the public. It's one thing about me, Kev. (laughs) I've always been a little mushy in that regard. You've always got a lot of time for witches? (laughs) No, no, but uh, I've always been a little mushy in regard to my fellow man, you know, and Wanting to make them feel loved and wanted. Even the witches. Don't you feel that way right now? The witches that aren't aligned (laughs) with the devil. How about those little black-eyed children? Yeah, what about them? I hear they're not aligned with the devil. (laughs) Yeah, no. They're not aligned. Do you mind letting me in? I just would like to borrow your telephone. Right. (laughs) Right. They're not aligned with him. They just chauffeur his limousine. (laughs) They actually don't get along on most topics. (laughs) All right. We're going to Michael from California on a lighter note. And Michael says, my son and I were driving around town and decided to check out an REI store, one of my favorite stores. And REI, if you don't know REI, perhaps you're a witch and you don't shop there. Uh, It's a pretty good camping and outdoors store. And in the map section, they found a Sasquatch field guide identifying, tracking, and sighting North America's relic hominoid. I was like, wow, that's cool. But when I saw the name Dr. Jeff Meldrum on it, I had to get it. The guide highlights are identification, footprints, casting tracks, hair, scat, stacked rocks, tree breaks, nests, cultural signs, habitat, diet, and vocalizations. 
It also has a 20-inch, 21-inch, sorry, ruler printed on top to measure prints. Mm -hmm. Tough laminated cardstock with an accordion-style fold. Just great to have it if you are a true Sasquatch believer out in the field or to add it to a Bigfoot library. Cost is around eight bucks. Love the show. Keep up the great work, brothers. Hmm. Pretty cool. I spend a lot of time in REI. I have not seen that. Obviously, I've spent some more time in the map section. Yeah, REI, Kev, is that like just strictly camping goods, outdoorsy? Yeah, camping and hiking. Okay. Trying to think what the heck it stands for. It's just escaping me. Rugged Equipment Industries. (laughs) It's Equipment Industry, Recreational Equipment Industry or something like that. Okay, I figured it had to be something along those. Yeah, so they sell like mountain bikes, regular bikes, tents, stuff like that. It's a real, real good place. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, then, well, and if they, if oh. they were smart, they'd have a thousand copies of Bigfoot Terror in the Woods sightings and encounters there for sale. No kidding. I'll have you know to check the shelf and see if they have any. <laughs> Next time I'm there. You know, Bigfoot, from what I understand, would be very good for their business because they rip a lot of tents apart. They do. You know? So Perhaps if, they should align with Bigfoot. Certainly. Uh, you know, give, like the I, witches aren't aligned with the devil. I right, mean, right. No, they yeah. should align with Bigfoot so that they could be like their sales force. Oh. Uh, for, for every mountaineering tent that you rip apart and its occupants, uh, you get a commission. <laughs> You well, you don't want to rip the occupants up so that they can never go camping again or never want to go camping again. Kev. Right? Because then you can't sell another tent to them. Yeah, but listen, who cares? You're a Bigfoot. You got to tear the people <laughs> apart. <laughs> it's what they do. It's what they do, exactly. <laughs> and then they leave, a little, they, they leave a little business card that says another human unarmed in the woods. Literally unarmed. I yeah. tore their arms off. Right, right. <laughs> unarmed. Love Bigfoot. Awesome. There you go. All right. And on a, we'll end with a nice email, Bill, from John in Ireland. Ah. And he says, Dear William. Uh-huh. Okay, John, it's a nice note. Otherwise, I'd be mad that you forgot me. <laughs> Dear William, I'm sorry to hear that your wife is ill. I will remember you both in my prayers. I love your show and the good humor between you both. I time, In times of distress, I have used the who sound, which connects with the Holy Spirit. Huh. And who is H-U. Have you ever heard this before, Bill? Never before reading the email. Yeah, and he says it sounds like who. Best wishes, John from Dublin, Ireland. Ah, John. John, you're a man after my own heart. And thank you for praying for my wife. Everybody out there, lift up my wife. Uh, She's going through quite a time right now, and I'm sure the recovery will be soon and swift. But thank you. Thank you, all of you people, for... uh, Chiming in with your best wishes, and I appreciate that greatly. 
So that's it, Kev, huh? That's it for this week, Bill. All right, well, if you find yourself out in the woods near the Skookum cast area, Northern California, Washington State, Oregon, walking around, eating a PBJ, you better remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.